0: Will you pray with me? Lord, we come to you now in this place to worship you. And at this moment, we pray that your word, which you've given us, to us so long ago, that you will be speaking to all of the hearts, wherever they may be coming from, exactly as they need to hear it. Be present with us now. In Christ's name, amen. Our scripture today comes from the Gospel of John, chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Hear now the word of the Lord. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and without Him not one thing came into being. The law indeed was given through Moses. Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. It is God, the only Son, who is close to the Father's heart, who has made him known. The word of the Lord. As Derek already mentioned, today is a very interesting day liturgically. It's liturgically confusing uh, because... Uh, As we can see, we've got the purples out because we're in the season of Lent, but our journey together through the story over the last few months has brought us to the reading of Christmas or the birth of Jesus. These are two of the most significant times of the liturgical year for the church. Um, Just about every church observes both of them, but the tone of these two liturgical times are completely different. Christmas, to put ourselves back into that mindset, maybe we could have thrown some trees up or something, uh, but Christmas is a time of celebration. Right, The season of Advent is the time of anticipating Jesus' coming to earth. Jesus the Messiah, Jesus the Savior, Christmas is, is jubilee, it's, it's a party, it's reminding ourselves that despite all of the struggle up to this moment, God came to earth and dwelt with us. And yet, even though Jesus is the focus of Christmas and Christmas is the time of celebration, once Jesus gets here, he's not exactly met with celebration. Jesus lives amongst the lowest of society. Jesus has some followers that, that believe in the things that he's saying, but he also had a lot of Criticizers. He also was rejected by many. He was also called a heretic by many. Jesus did not live a life of celebration in his society. So while Christmas is a time that we celebrate God choosing to come and be with us, the life that Jesus lived on earth was not one necessarily of celebration. On the flip side, Lent, the season that we find ourselves in, is not a season of celebration. Lent is solemn. Lent is uh, a time of penance. It's a time of reflection on the darkness and the sinfulness of, of reality. We begin Lent with Ash Wednesday and remind ourselves of our finitude. From dust we came, and to dust we will return. Lent is not a happy time of the year. And yet, we start on that note, and at the end of Lent, we get to Holy Week. We get to the resurrection and what began in darkness is is overshone with light and so constantly in our rhythms in our faith we are are switching before, between dark and light and our story today in John chapter 1 is is a different kind of birth story of Jesus Usually we talk about the Christmas stories that are in Matthew or in Luke that start with a long genealogy that tell us about how Jesus came from the line of Abraham or how Jesus came all the way from Adam. And we hear about Mary and the angels and the shepherds and the wise men, but here in John chapter 1, we go even further back than that. We go to the beginning And the words are that in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. See, the story here in Matthew and Luke that focus on all of the other pieces happening around Jesus once he gets here, that's important. But John's gospel is focused on telling us something else. The, The language is that Jesus was present at creation. That Jesus, before anything existed, was with God. And this is what invites us into the paradoxical idea of trinity in our faith. And the mysterious truth of the triune God is that God in God's self is a community. That God, without anything else being in existence, is a communal God. Father, Son, and Spirit. And so it should come as no surprise to us that in Genesis, when we're told that God created humankind in his image, that we're told that it is not good for man to be alone. That from the very beginning, God's communal nature is reflected in humanity's existence, that we are built to be in community. There's something about loneliness and isolation that does not reflect the heart of God. And yet, sin and darkness yield isolation. The story here in John is about the light that came into the world. Hear again these words. All things came into being through him. And without him, not one thing came into being. What has come into being was life. The life was the light of all people. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not overcome it. Jesus came in the flesh, and and sometimes we we sit and we ponder why. Why would God do that? Why would God, in God's majesty, take on human flesh, take on imperfection, take on finitude, take on weakness, take on vulnerability? What was the purpose of? And it was because Jesus is the light of the world. We don't have to look far to find darkness. Darkness comes in all shapes and sizes, and it's it's on a global scale. It's always been a part of our existence. It's one of the difficult parts of reality. Darkness comes in the form of greed and in anger and bigotry and hatred Darkness is what yields murder and war. Darkness is what yields our inability to be in community with one another. And the thing about darkness is that the byproduct of sin and darkness is more sin and darkness. If you've ever been outside in the woods at night and you see just how dark things can get, you can lose yourself in darkness John reminds us that Jesus, the Son of God, comes in the flesh to shine a light on that darkness. But the difficult thing is that when Jesus got here, he wasn't exactly welcomed with open, loving arms. In fact, there were many people that weren't so thrilled about Jesus' words or his teachings. Remember, the people that met Jesus when he got to earth were followers of God. God. They were people who had been telling each other the stories of Scripture over and over and over again, just as we do here every Sunday morning. The people that, that met Jesus were experts in the Word of God, or so they thought. They knew Scripture like the back of their hand, and yet when the Son of God was standing before them, they didn't recognize Him. They rejected Him. They criticized his teachings. They didn't want anything to do with the light that he was shining. And that's the thing is that when we're in darkness, we start to get used to it. When you're in the dark long enough, your eyes adjust. And in that kind of darkness, when someone starts to shine light, it doesn't feel liberating. It feels obnoxious. It feels painful. It's frustrating. When you've been staring around in the dark for so long, light is not something you welcome. And yet, light is what we need. Light is what enables us to move forward. Light is what leads us. But if we're not prepared for it, we reject it. The problem that that Jesus runs into is that he came to shine a light in the darkness. He came to show us what it means to be image bearers. He came to show us that you've seen the way that this thing has been done, but there's a better way. There's an intended way. There's a communal way we are called to live as God's people. But it wasn't accepted. John tells us that he came to what was his own, his creation, but his own people did not accept him. Now, many of us, we, we hear that kind of language and go, well, I accept Jesus. And I'm sure you do, except for when you don't. The same as I do, except for when I don't. Because when we think of denying Jesus as opposed to accepting him, we often think of like Peter denying Jesus three times in this dramatic fashion where someone asks you if you're a Christian and you, you say out loud that you are. But denying Jesus is, is far more insidious than just denying him with our words. It's denying him with our actions, with our thoughts. Sometimes we say we follow Jesus with our words and then the very things that we do are contrary to everything Jesus was shining a light on. Sometimes the way that we think about our neighbors and our enemies reflect that we are not accepting Jesus. Sometimes the way that we speak to the people we say we love don't reflect that we accept Jesus. Sometimes the way that we're living is so contrary that we don't even notice that it's darkness because our eyes have adjusted. But the good news of the gospel The entire point of John 1 is to remind us that even when we are at our darkest moments with no sense of our failure, no sense of our sinfulness, no sense of the darkness we are living in, before we ever confessed, before we ever pursued God, before we we begged for forgiveness, before we prayed our first prayer, God initiated with us. God chose to be with us, that in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and the word became flesh and lived among us, and we have seen his glory, the glory of the Father's only Son, full of grace and truth. Grace and truth, they came through Jesus Christ. See, the problem is that sometimes we think, because of the darkness we see, not only in the world, but in us, that we have to clean ourselves up first and then go to God. We need to look our best coming through the church doors to put on a show to look like we deserve to be in the light. But that's not what the good news of the gospel is. The good news of the gospel is that God already knows that we are weak. God already knows that we're imperfect. God knows that we fall short. God knows that we miss the mark. But that in spite of that, God pursues us in the darkness. God goes into the woods to pull us out of our hiding and our shame like he did with Adam and Eve. God God shines light on our darkest moments, not to shame us, but to draw us into his created purpose for us. Because so often we're so used to the darkness that we don't want to be in the light. We look around the world today and, and we see darkness everywhere. The way that nations conquer nations, the way that, that political parties divide themselves to attack one another, the way that the, the rhetoric we use to talk about people that are or aren't part of our group, darkness is all around us all the time. And if we're not careful, we won't be able to recognize the lights that Jesus shines on the darkness. If we're not careful, when, when Jesus starts to shine the light, it'll be a problem to us rather than a solution because we've gotten so used to the way things are. The beauty of Christmas is the celebration that God doesn't leave us in darkness, that God chose to be amongst us in the flesh with all of the problems that came with that, knowing that we would reject him, knowing that we would not take his word seriously, Jesus came anyways to be with us, to model for us what it means to be image bearers, to model what it looks like to live in community with tension, to model for us what it looks like to love the people we think are most unlovable. The good news of the gospel is that Jesus does not leave us where we are. The culmination of our brokenness and our darkness and our sin is precisely what leads us to Lent. It's precisely what leads us through this season of reflection and penance that propels us forward towards Holy Week. That propels us forward towards the moment where Jesus, dealing with all this darkness, chose to die in our place to demonstrate what resurrection life looks like, to, re- to demonstrate what the true light looks like when it shines on the darkness. Now, anyone that was here on Wednesday night for the Lenten Soup Supper, you already heard me talk a little bit about Narnia, but this, this particular moment I think bears repeating you're not familiar with Narnia, it's a magical world. There's a talking lion. You just go with it. But in Narnia, one of the four children betrays the good side. Edmund goes to the enemy, to the witch's team. And it's not because he hated his siblings. It's not because he was truly bad, but it's because she lured him there with things that he thought were good for him. Edmund wanted to become a prince. That was the witch's promise to him. I'll make you a prince of Narnia, and you'll have all of the the treats you want for the rest of your life. But what Edmund didn't know is that Aslan, the Christ figure, the great lion in this story, had bigger plans than just being a prince. Aslan intended Edmund to be a king. But because Edmund had adjusted so much to the dark, he, his desires they weren 't too great, they were too small. Edmund wanted to be a prince, but God wants us to be more god 's not calling us to settle for the things that the world promises will satisfy us. No, God calls us beyond that. God calls us to find our identity and our fulfillment and our joy and our light in God alone. But when we get distracted, when we start to dwell in the darkness, when we start to believe that darkness is all there will ever be, well then we start to settle for things so much lower than that. Lewis writes elsewhere that if I find in myself desires, which nothing in this world seemed to satisfy, then the only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. A lot of us spend our lives looking for fulfillment in things that were never designed to fulfill us. A lot of us spend our time feeling about in the darkness, looking for the way, looking for something that will bring us out of it. And it's Jesus Christ, the true light. And the good news of the gospel is that there's not some mountaintop that we wait for Jesus to bark orders to us from. No, Jesus came and dwelt in the darkness with us to show us the way out. And the question becomes, do we listen to his voice? Do we follow his lead? Do we embrace that relationship or reject it? The good news of the gospel is that God came to be with us. And he's leading us to resurrection every single day. And so in this Lenten season, let us remind ourselves that not only are we called to follow the true light, but we are called to be the salt of the earth. We are called to be light for those that are also in darkness. We remind ourselves of what we believe. We encourage each other in our faith. And we lead one another as we worship our God. May it be so. Amen.